Most of us, when we were kids, made some some kind of extraordinary claims. You, you, you get in the moment and you're with some guy or some girl and you're, you're, you're kind of trying to prove that you're better than they are. So you, you kind of try to do the little one-up thing. You know, so I can run faster than you can or I can balance that baseball bat on my head or I can get, eat 15 hot dogs in 20 seconds. And at some point, somebody stops that conversation by saying, okay, prove it. Unfortunately, sometimes we do that with God. God makes some promises that are nothing short of audacious, amazing, extraordinary, beyond belief in every sense of those words. They're more than we can fully comprehend and understand. And somewhere in the back of our mind, we're thinking, is God really going to do that? Moses did. Now, now you remember the story from last week. Moses is in front of a bush that is burning but not consumed. And then he hears the voice of God telling him that God's going to use Moses to deliver the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. And you'll remember Moses had a few questions about all of that. Those questions continue here in Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? (laughs) Now, God didn't have to. But he does give Moses some tangible evidence that he's going to be able to take with him as he begins this extraordinary process of God using him to deliver the nation of Israel out of Egypt, we're going to discover that God has given us some tangible evidence as well. The fact of the matter is, God has proven his promise. The question is, what will you do now? Well, one of the things we're going to have to do is there's some things we're going to have to let go. (laughs) Moses asks what, at least on the surface, seems to be like a legitimate question. What if I go back to Egypt and I start going to the Pharaoh and to the Israelites and telling them that you're about to deliver them? What if nobody believes me? (laughs) What do I do then? You know, I go and I tell them I saw this bush that was burning but not consumed, and I heard the voice of God coming out of the bush. There may be a few people that won't believe that. In fact, Moses is saying, nobody is going to believe that. What am I supposed to do then? So God shows Moses a series of miraculous events to prove that he could, in fact, do exactly what he promised. You'll remember the story, this familiar image of of Moses there before the burning bush. And God tells him to take his shepherd's staff and throw it to the ground. And he he throws it to the ground and it becomes a snake. And then God tells him to grab the snake and pick it up. The more difficult of the two commands, if you ask me. But he asks him to to pick the snake back up. He does. And and the snake turns back into the, the staff. Then the Lord tells Moses to put his hand in his cloak. He does. And when he brings it out, it is horribly diseased with with leprosy and God tells him to put his hand back in his cloak and Moses does when he brings it out it is completely healed and then God tells him 
if the people don't accept these two signs, then take some water from the Nile River, pour it on the ground, and I will turn it into blood, which does... I mean, that sounds kind of amazing, but this would have been an incredible thing for the people of Egypt. Uh, The Nile River was very deep in their understanding of theology and their their pantheon of gods and a whole bunch of other stuff is wrapped up in the water of the Nile. So to take the water of the Nile and turn it into blood would be an enormous kind of event to take place. So this is a pretty impressive sign that God is is giving to him. In fact, they were all impressive. I mean, a snake uh, turning back into a staff, a diseased hand becoming healed, water turning into blood. But notice something about every single one of those. In every single instance, Moses was going to have to let go of something. First thing Moses was going to have to let go, he was going to have to let a very comfortable way of life go. Now think about this for a minute. Moses was a shepherd. That's what was symbolized by that staff. And we talked about last week that, you know, that wasn't something that folks aspired to be. You, 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 you didn't go to the shepherd university to learn how to be a shepherd and then get your doctorate in shepherding to go out and shepherd sheep. I mean, that, you know, it wasn't something that a lot of people wanted to do. But Moses had kind of got in this routine. He's been doing this for a long time. And yes, it wasn't glorious. Yes, it was kind of smelly. And yes, there were some things about being a shepherd that weren't the greatest. But you know, it was a comfortable life. He had everything that he needed. And it was very easy to figure out. He knew where he was supposed to be out there with the sheep. He knew what he was supposed to do. Feed them, water them, protect them. That that was his life. He didn't have to wonder, what am I going to do this morning? How's this going to work? What if the sheep don't follow me? He didn't have to think about all of that. He just went out and he did it and he'd gotten in this routine. Yeah, he made a pretty good life for himself. Moses was going to have to let that go. You ever been there? Life gets comfortable. Things are just going along the way you want it to go along. And all of a sudden God steps in and says, you know what? I have something I want to do through you. And the minute you hear it, you you realize, wait a minute, this is going to make me change some things. And I'm comfortable in what I'm doing right now. If I I do what God's calling me to do, I'm going to have to change some stuff in my life. And I don't really want to change that. That's where Moses was. He was going to have to let go of a way of life that for him had become very, very comfortable. The second thing Moses was going to have to let go of is fear. Remember, Moses left Egypt Because he was afraid of being arrested. He had killed an Egyptian soldier who was beating an Israelite slave. And and you remember all the problems that created. And Moses literally had to run away because he was afraid that he was going to be arrested and go through all the process of perhaps even being executed for what he had done. Well, now he was going to go right back to the scene of the crime. And nothing had changed. He was still guilty of that crime, and Moses was going to have to let go of all of the fear that that brought into his life. You ever been there? Where God is calling you to take a step of faith, to do something that's going to be hard. Maybe he's calling you onto a mission field, maybe a mission field around the world, or maybe a mission field across the street. And immediately you start worrying about what that might mean. All the things that you would miss all the things that would be different in your life. And it's not so much that you're afraid of losing those things, although that's part of it. 
there's a fear there. God, how is all that going to work? If I go on to the mission field, how am I going to make a living? How am I going to feed my family? How am I going to do the things that, that, that i got to do? God, if I do this thing, how is that going to work? And there's a fear that we have to let go. Moses had to let go of his fear. We do too. And finally, Moses had to let go of his insecurities. Now, more on that in a minute. We're going to take a look at why Moses was so insecure in just a moment. But for now, understand that in order to do God's will, Moses was going to have to let go of his own will. I don't know if they do this anymore, but when I was running track, which has been a long, long time ago, they used to train some of the runners by putting ankle weights on them. There were these these little leather pouches that had some kind of lead pellets in them or something, but they were heavy, and you, you buckled them around your, your ankle, and then you would run around the track and do the exercises that you were supposed to do. And the idea of that was that, obviously, if you have more weight on your legs, it's supposed to build up your muscles and make you, you stronger. And, and then also, as you took those weights off, it kind of made your feet just feel very light. You just felt like you were floating, and it was, you know, you'd run really fast. But there was something that you absolutely had to remember to do. You had to take off the ankle weights before you ran the race. Because <laughs> if you left them on, you were guaranteed not only not to win, you would be in last place. Too many times, spiritually, we try to run with ankle weights. We hang on to stuff in life that we think is really important. And, and we have some pretty good reasoning. We think, we think, well, God, this is making me stronger. God, this is, this is helping me grow bigger. Or God, this is protecting me. Or God, this is, this, this is helping me in some way. And God's saying, no, if you'll take that off, if you'll let it go, if you'll throw it down, I can use you in ways you can't even imagine. What are you hanging on to? that's holding you back from what God wants you to do. Throw it down. Let God heal it. Pour it out. Let God do what only God can do. Let Him transform your failures into victories. But before He can do that, you've got to let it go. Now, that's hard. You know, that's really easy to preach about. And you can even leave here going, well, that's right. I need to let that go. But we all know deep down there's some stuff that we're hanging on to that it's really hard to let it go. But here's the thing. We can't. But God can. Okay, let's review up to this point. Moses has seen a bush that is burning but not consumed. He has heard literally the very voice of God. His staff has turned into a snake and then back into a staff again. His hand has become diseased and then been completely healed. And God has promised to provide even more if the people will still not believe. So Moses packs his bags, heads back to Egypt, ready to go to work for God. Well, not yet. (laughs) Even with everything that he has seen up to this point, Moses still not exactly sure Uh, We continue in verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, 
I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Now, parenthetically, that's a really eloquent statement that Moses makes to tell God that he's not very eloquent. He says that really, really well. But anyway, that's what he said. God, I can't talk. So, verse 11, the Lord says to him, Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, Oh Lord, please send someone else to do it. Isn't that what we do? God shares with us something that he wants us to do, a ministry that he wants us to be a part of, or a person that he wants us to share our faith with, or, or some way that he wants us to serve him in, in the community. And, and then he shows us all these miraculous ways that he's already working in that ministry, that he's already working in that person's life, or that, that he can work through us. And he shows us all these things. He, he brings us to church and gets us all pumped up, and then he takes us to Sunday school and gets us all pumped up, and, and we go home and we say, Oh, Lord, please send somebody else. Not me, Lord, some. Somebody else, anybody else. I'll even choose somebody else for you, but God, don't send me. And that's what Moses does. I mean, he finally gets to really the heart of the matter. Moses just does not want to do this. Now, he's been coming up with all these reasons that he's been giving to God why this is not going to work and, and what's going to happen if this happens and what am I going to do if the people do this. And, and he's just been coming up with excuse after excuse after excuse trying to tell God what it is. But really, bottom line, he just doesn't really want to do this. This is not part of his job description. This is not who he is. He doesn't speak well, although he wrote a really eloquent sentence and, and later will go on to write down the Bible. But, but anyway, I don't speak very well. I'm not very eloquent. You know, he, he comes up with all this stuff. But the real bottom, the real reason, the, the bottom line of this is, God, I don't really want to do this. Send somebody else. <laughs> I've been there, have you? Where God lays something on your heart. And you start coming up with all the reasons why you can't do that when really, bottom line, it's not about those reasons. It's really about that you just really don't want to do it. I've been there. <laughs> I think we all have. But the incredible thing is here. I mean, Moses comes up with all these excuses and God has an answer for everyone. And then Moses finally gets to the root of the problem. Hey, God, send somebody else. I don't want to do this. And with all of that, with all the excuses, all the failings, all of everything that Moses is bringing up, God still uses him. Now, God proved himself to Moses over and over and over again. The shepherd's rod was a symbol of God's power and victory. The hand restored from disease was a symbol of Israel's need for restoration and God's ability to do it. The Nile water turned to blood was a symbol of God's power over even the greatest nation in the world at that time, the nation of Egypt. Not to mention the fact that Moses has been miraculously delivered as an infant. His upbringing in the household of the Pharaoh was a perfect preparation for what he was about to do to go into the court of the Pharaoh to plead the case for the nation of Israel. And his years as a shepherd in the wilderness had perfectly prepared him to lead the people through the wilderness. No wonder God 
becomes angry when Moses begs for somebody else. When God spent all this time preparing Moses. It's easy to come up with reasons why we can't. And if we can't come up with a reason, there are handy websites out there that will come up for reasons for you. They'll, they'll give you a reason why you, you can't do anything. Uh, one provides 99 convenient excuses. And you can pick the one that works best for you. Here's a few. My kids are locked out of the house. I can't come into work today. My kids are locked out. I've got to go let them back in. Well, if that one doesn't work... My kids are locked inside the house. I got to go get them out of there. They're going to tear everything up in there. I got to let them out. I got to let them out. That doesn't work. My kid is stuck in the door at my house. I got to go set him free. You know, you're going to find one of these that's going to work all right. It's going to work. Or, or those ever important things that we absolutely cannot miss. The water meter reader is coming today. You know, he might read that thing wrong. I got to be out there and check up on him and make sure he's counting the numbers right. Or those ones that, that always are handy. My stomach aches. My head aches. My fill-in-the-blank aches. <laughs> you get the idea. Truth is, we don't have to look very far to find a reason why we're not capable, we're not able, there's something standing in the way, there's some event that is keeping us from doing it. You know, it's pretty easy to find an excuse. We can always find a reason why we can't. What we need to understand is you also don't have to look very far to find a reason that God can do what he's promising to do. When we really look at God, we see that he has given us all the proof that we need. Just read the Bible. You will find page after page after page of story after story after story of God doing amazing, miraculous, incredible things through people just like you and me. And you'll find the greatest proof of all. Proof that God loves you proof that he can and will transform your life proof that god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life we've got all the proof we need so what are you hanging on to this morning that you need to let go what disability do you have that you think God can't overcome? What earthly power is there that you think God can't defeat? Just remember Moses' staff, his hand, and his glass of water. And let it go. Heavenly Father, Unfortunately, in our humanness, we are really good at coming up with excuses of why we can't. And sometimes, Lord, we'll just be honest right now. It's really because we just don't want to. 
But God, your patience and your mercy are great. And like Moses, you answer our excuses with your power and your proof. And you answer our intransigence with your mercy and your grace. So God, this morning we thank you and we pray that whatever it is we're hanging on to that's keeping us from doing what you would have us do, that we will let it go. That whatever it is in our life that is keeping us from moving forward in your will and your grace, that we'll let it go. Help us, Heavenly Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.